Hey, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Jake. And my name's Maddie. And this is our history podcast. Enjoy the show. (laughs) So we have a few changes for you guys. We're going to be doing a few new things in the podcast to spice it up a little bit and change it up just because we want to and it's our podcast. And we're just learning more as we podcast more and it's only getting more fun, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like we're figuring out like our structure and our storytelling. and and like our storytelling ways that we storytell and the things that we do. And so... The new thing that we'll be doing is that every single week at the end of the episode, we are going to randomly generate a date Mm -hmm. and we are going to switch off every other week. So either of us will be telling a story every single week on a historical topic. Yeah. From that date in history. From that date in history that we decided the end of the previous week. And then we'll have a week to research it, write all the notes and do all the stuff. And then we'll give give you guys the podcast teach you guys about something in history on a specific date so that you guys can learn a little bit more. I think it'll be fun. I think it will be fun too. I'm excited. I hope it's fun because if it's fun, we have the next 365, 365 days. Plus there's so much history. So this week, what I are guess we discussing this technically week? the date would be March 25th. So pretty recently. 1911. Oh, not recently at all. Okay. <laughs> what are we talking about this week, Maddie? We are talking. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Jake. And my name's Maddie. And this is our history podcast. Enjoy the show. (laughs) So we have a few changes for you guys. We're going to be doing a few new things in the podcast to spice it up a little bit and change it up just because we want to and it's our podcast. And we're just learning more as we podcast more and it's only getting more fun, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like we're figuring out like our structure and our storytelling. and and, like our storytelling ways that we storytell and the things that we do. And so... The new thing that we'll be doing is that every single week at the end of the episode, we are going to randomly generate a date Mm -hmm. and we are going to switch off every other week. So either of us will be telling a story every single week on a historical topic. Yeah. From that date in history. From that date in history that we decided the end of the previous week. And then we'll have a week to research it, write all the notes and do all the stuff. And then we'll give give you guys the podcast. Teach you guys about something in history on a specific date so that you guys can learn a little bit more. I think it'll be fun. I think it will be fun, too. I'm excited. I hope it's fun, because if it's fun, we have the next 365, 365 days, plus there's so much history. So this week, what I are guess, we discussing this technically, week? the date would be March 25th. So pretty recently. 1911. Oh, not recently at all. Okay. <laughs> what are we talking about this week, Maddie? We are talking... Hey, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Jake. And my name's Maddie. And this is our history podcast. Enjoy the show. (laughs) So we have a few changes for you guys. We're going to be doing a few new things in the podcast to spice it up a little bit and change it up just because we want to and it's our podcast. And we're just learning more as we podcast more and it's only getting more fun, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like we're figuring out like our structure and our storytelling. and and like our storytelling ways that we storytell Mm -hmm. and the things that we do. And so... The new thing that we'll be doing is that every single week at the end of the episode, we are going to randomly generate a date Mm -hmm. and we are going to switch off every other week. So either of us will be telling a story every single week on a historical topic. Yeah. From that date in history. From that date in history that we decided the end of the previous week. And then we'll have a week to research it, write all the notes and do all the stuff. And then we'll give give you guys the podcast. Teach you guys about something in history on a specific date so that you guys can learn a little bit more. 
I think it'll be fun. I think it will be fun too. I'm excited. I hope it's fun because if it's fun, we have the next 365, 365 days. Plus, there's so much history. So this week, what I are guess we discussing this technically week? the date would be March 25th. So pretty recently. 1911. Oh, not recently at all. Okay. <laughs> what are we talking about this week, Maddie? We are talking about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire. Was it shirtwaist or shirt wash? <laughs> it was shirtwaist. Shirtwaist? Yeah. My whole life, my whole life, I have been saying shirt wash factory fire. I thought that they, I like, washed you. shirts there. <laughs> no, they made shirts. Oh. Shirt waist? What does shirt mm-hmm. waist mean? Is it, like, a name? Yeah, it was, like, the name of the company. Like, they sewed clothing. Okay. I heard you say shirt wash earlier, and I thought it was just because you were talking fast. No. I have had this wrong for years now. Honestly, this is, like, and I learned about this in APUS history, so this is going on. Yeah, this is going on 10 years that I've been calling it the Triangle Shirt Wash Factory Fire. I just read through things so fast. I'm like, the shirt wash, yep. Wow. The shirt, like a car wash for shirts. (laughs) No, shirt waist. You heard it here first, folks. The Triangle Shirt Waste Factory Fire. If you have ever thought it was the Triangle Shirt Wash Factory Fire, like me, shoot us an email and I'll give you a shout out in the next podcast because you were right. You might be alone in that one. I might be alone. It's also been a hundred years now since this happened, right? 1911? Over a hundred. Wow. A really long time. And I still remember that it has a huge impact. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to talk about it a little bit. We also have been near the building. Many times, yeah. Wait, so when I went to NYU, I had known about the Triangle Shirt Wash. Triangle <laughs> Shirt Waste. Triangle Shirt Waste Factory Fire for so long because we learned about it in APUS history. It was like such a big pivotal moment. I mm-hmm. think we'll talk more about it, obviously, in the podcast. But then I went to NYU. I'm just like this shitty little 19-year-old, and I was like walking around one day, and there's a plaque. It's down. tiny. It's hard to see. It's it's like it's, it's on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it was a plaque and it was like, this is the site of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire of 1911 on Washington Place and Green Street, Mm -hmm. right next to NYU. NYU owns the building now. Yeah. So the building next to it was NYU at the time. In 1911? Mm -hmm. NYU was around? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus I'm pretty sure I read that at least. NYU, terrorizing people since 1911. And since in the over 100 years to follow, they have just bought everything else nearby, Mm -hmm. including this building. Which at the time was pretty world-renowned because, not world, but, you know, it was well-renowned. Well-known. Because it was fireproof. Kind of like the Titanic being unsinkable. (laughs) They They were like, this is a disaster waiting to happen. Well, here's the thing. The building was fireproof. The furniture and people inside. And the shirts. And the shirts. We'll get there. So, where does our story start? Our story starts... On the eighth floor, I would say. It's a Sunday. It's almost time to leave. In fact, all of the lower floors have left. Because it's like 4.40, almost 5 o'clock. how many floors is the building? Ten. Okay. So it's a pretty, like 1911, it's a pretty big building. Mm -hmm. And this company, Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, is the top three floors. So they own the top three floors and who else is in the building? I have no idea. They weren't there. They weren't there when they this left. happened. They left. Yeah, like because it was people. Sunday, and they were like, we're going to get out of here a little early. Oh, it was a Sunday? hmm Wow. And people worked like 80 hours a week back then, mm-hmm. right? God. So they were about to leave. They say if the fire had happened 10 minutes later, most people would have been out already. I'm pretty sure some accounts say the bell to leave had already rang. So they were like getting ready to go mm-hmm. when the fire broke out. And the problem was, 
we're on the eighth floor. There's tables and tables of sewing machines all cramped together. Really small rows for these small women who worked them to pass through. And as they're sewing and making these clothing, they are letting the scraps pile up under the tables. So they just take the rest of the scraps and they just start like... Mm-hmm. throw it under the table there's no like trash there's, there's like no a regulation there's a bin there are bins that are supposed to be emptied the bins are overflowing and so it's just like fabric fabric is covering the floor and fabric burns very fast very well even in a fireproof building mm-hmm. so we're on the eighth floor and a fire breaks out nobody knows exactly how nobody knows exactly who saw it first but obviously there's shouts of fire and in case this happens because it's 1911 and we're working with sewing machines so fires can happen also they weren't supposed to smoke but apparently they did they weren't really aware of the risk at all i don't know they knew it would be this bad okay because here's the thing the fire breaks out they have pails of water by the window for fire oh uh yes they have pails of water they run over and get them. These pails of water do nothing to put the fire out. The it just starts spreading and spreading and spreading. Mm-hmm. So fast. So somebody on the eighth <laughs> floor is able to telegram up to the ni- the tenth floor to let them know there's a fire. There's no way for anybody to let the ninth floor know. Because there's just... The people are just chilling there? Or what's going on on the ninth floor? Yeah. Well, so the eighth and ninth floors are where people do most of the sewing and work. Mm -hmm. The 10th floor is more of like the owner's offices, the managers, that kind of stuff. Okay. So the entryway... Those guys are like, we're keeping a watch Mm -hmm. on everybody here. So the entryway on the 8th floor, I assume, has like a secretary or somebody. They would check the girls' purses on the way out to make sure they weren't stealing anything. Interesting. So I assume, in my head at least, whoever is there was the one who let the 10th floor know. But there's no communication. There's no, like, telegram system or anything to the ninth floor because it's just more workers there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the ninth floor has no idea. The fire is spreading fast on the eighth floor. And everybody's just, like, running around freaking out. Mm-hmm. The elevator's working. And the elevator operators keep going up and down. And people are cramming into the elevator. And do they know that the elevator is? Or did the, the elevator operators are like? Mm-hmm. Okay. They're doing their best to get everybody out. The elevator does either alert the ninth floor or start trying to get people out of the ninth floor. It's going to the ninth floor. But the elevator only makes about three trips before it's done. And it won't go up anymore. And people are trying to slide down the elevator cables to get down. People are trying to just, like, cram into it. Like, people are doing whatever they can to get out. Because the other stairwell on the same side as the elevator is now unusable in either direction. Because of the fire. Mm-hmm. And it's jumping oh. up to the ninth floor through that stairwell. Oh, my God. So. Wasn't there two stairwells? Mm-hmm. So the things don't great on the eighth floor, but they don't go terrible. A lot of girls make it out the stairwell before the flames jump into the stairwell or into the elevator before it stops working. So the eighth floor, it's not good, but it's okay. This well, is the fire has worse. already rampaged through the eighth floor. And most of the people are out at this point? Most. Obviously, there are some casualties from the eighth floor. Some people get trapped on the eighth floor. Some don't make it out. Some don't get to the stairwell in time. But the way the fire starts, 
a lot of people can make it to the stairwell before the stairwell is unusable. So now you can't go up or down those stairs. The heat has also destroyed the elevator. You can't use the elevator. And it's going up. Flames are jumping up to the ninth floor. So you would think these girls would go use the other stairwell. Not all girls, but mostly girls. The company employed about 700 people. It was about 600 females and 100 males. Okay. And the the males were probably laborers, Mm -hmm. right? And the women were like the seamstresses and everything. Mm -hmm. And these are girls, they're mostly immigrants. A lot of them don't speak English. They're 16 to 23 years old for the most part. Oh. They're young. So we go up to the ninth floor. These workers run to the other stairwell that is not engulfed in flames. They can't open the door. Oh my God. It is locked. They can't get out. I don't know if I have a joke for this one, guys. <laughs> this is, that's rough. So there's a balcony that they start climbing onto, okay. like a metal... Is it like a fire escape? Sort of. Sort of. The only fire escape is on the back of the building, and it's like rusted out. There's no fire escape on the front. But this fire is spreading so fast. Just to explain how fast this is spreading, because it gets really hot in there. It gets so hot that workers start resorting to jumping out the window. And we are jumping out the window of a ninth floor. Of the ninth floor? Mm-hmm. I don't even... The the weird part of that is, is like, is the ninth floor enough to kill you? Mm-hmm. It is? Okay. Okay, for sure. So the first five people to jump jumped before the first fire engine even had time to respond to the fire. Like, that's how fast this is spreading. That's how hot it is. Oh. And not only that, remember how I told you a bunch of people piled onto that balcony? The, the no. fire heats that up, too, and that whole thing topples. Oh, my God. So people are jumping. They're jumping just to get away from the heat. They're jumping in some cases because their dresses or hair is already on fire. They're jumping to try to land on awnings below, but these awnings are glass and they're crashing through them. Oof. And um, I hate to tell you, but it it doesn't get better because the fire department finally shows up. And first off, it's hard for them to start trying to get anywhere because pe- these workers are jumping out. So there's right. piles of bodies on the sidewalk. That they can't, like, roll up to because there's these people laying on the sidewalk. Oh, my God. So there's already so many bodies on the floor Mm -hmm. that the fire department can't get up to the fire close enough. Mm -hmm. And once they do get close enough to stretch out their ladder, it reaches to, like, the sixth or the seventh floor. So it doesn't reach tall enough for any of these girls in the window to climb down. Nobody can actually get down from that. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's not good. God. So... The fire department is doing everything they can, but these bodies are piling up on the street, and they can't attend to them because this building is also still entirely on fire. This fire rips through the building so fast that it was under an hour, the whole event. Like, from the point that the fire took off until the fire department put it out and everything was over, and Mm -hmm. all the alive people came out? Because, again, the building is fireproof, so everything inside burns up. And then when there's nothing to burn anymore. Oh, the building is just fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read a quote from the the New York Times, which is pretty rough the way they put it. (laughs) They said, nothing is the worse for the fire, because the building was fireproof. Nothing is the worse for the fire except for the furniture 
and 141 of the 600 men and girls that were employed. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Jake. And my name's Maddie. And this is our history podcast. Enjoy the show. (laughs) So we have a few changes for you guys. We're going to be doing a few new things in the podcast to spice it up a little bit and change it up just because we want to, and it's our podcast. And we're just learning more as we podcast more, and it's only getting more fun, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like we're figuring out, like, our structure and our storytelling. and like our storytelling, ways that we storytell Mm -hmm. and the things that we do. And so the new thing that we'll be doing is that every single week at the end of the episode, we are going to randomly generate a date, Mm -hmm. and we are going to switch off every other week. So either of us will be telling a story every single week on a historical topic. Yeah, from that date in history. From that date in history that we decided the end of the previous week. And then we'll have a week to research it, write all the notes, and do all the stuff, and then we'll give you guys the, give you guys the podcast. Teach you guys about something in history on a specific date so that you guys can learn a little bit more. I think it'll be fun. I think it will be fun, too. I'm excited. I hope it's fun, because if it's fun, we have the next... 365. 365 days plus there's so much history so this week what i are guess we discussing this technically week? the date would be march 25th so pretty recently 1911 oh not recently at all okay <laughs> what are we talking about this week maddie we are talking about the triangle shirtwaist factory fire was it shirtwaist or shirt wash <laughs> it was shirtwaist shirtwaist yeah my whole life, my whole life, I have been saying shirt wash factory fire. I thought that they, I like, washed you. shirts there. No, they made shirts. Oh. Shirt waste? What does shirt mm-hmm. waste mean? Is it, like, a name? Yeah, it was, like, the name of the company. Like, they sewed clothing. Okay. I heard you say shirt wash earlier, and I thought it was just because you were talking fast. No. I have had this wrong for years now. Honestly, this is, like, and I learned about this in AP US History, so this is going on. Yeah, this is going on 10 years that I've been calling it the Triangle Shirt Wash Factory Fire. I just read through things so fast. I'm like, the shirt wash, yep. Wow. The shirt, like a car wash for shirts. <laughs> no, shirt waste. You heard it here first, folks. The Triangle Shirt Waste Factory Fire. If you have ever thought it was the Triangle Shirt Wash Factory Fire, like me, shoot us an email and I'll give you a shout out in the next podcast because you were right. You might be alone in that one. I might be alone. It's also been a hundred years now since this happened, right? Nineteen eleven. Over a hundred. Wow, a really long time, and I still remember that it has a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to talk about it a little bit. We also have been near the building many times. Yeah. Wait. So when I went to NYU, I had known about the Triangle Shirt Wash, the Triangle <laughs> Shirt Waste, Triangle Shirt Waste Factory Fire for so long because we learned about it in APUS history. It was like such a big pivotal moment. I think Mm -hmm. we'll talk more about it, obviously, in the podcast. But then I went to NYU. I'm just like this shitty little 19-year-old, and I was like walking around one day, and there's a plaque. It's tiny. It's hard to see. It's it's like, it's it's on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it was a plaque and it was like, this is the site of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire of 1911 on Washington Place and Green Street, Mm -hmm. right next to NYU. NYU owns the building now. Yeah. So the building next to it was NYU at the time. In 1911? Mm -hmm. NYU was around? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus I'm pretty sure I read that at least. NYU, terrorizing people since 1911. And since in the over 100 years to follow, they have just bought everything else nearby, Mm -hmm. including this building. Which at the time was pretty world-renowned because, not world, but, you know, it was well-renowned. Well well-known. Because it was fireproof. Kind of like the Titanic being unsinkable. <laughs> they were like, 
<laughs> they were like, this is a disaster waiting to happen. Well, here's the thing. The building was fireproof. The furniture and people inside. And the shirts. And the shirts. <laughs> we'll get there. So where does our story start? Our story starts on the eighth floor, I would say. It's a Sunday. It's almost time to leave. In fact, all of the lower floors have left. Because it's like 4.40, almost 5 o'clock. how many floors is the building? 10. Okay. So it's a pretty, like 1911, it's a pretty big building. Mm-hmm. And this company, Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, is the top three floors. So they own the top three floors and who else is in the building? I More... have no idea. They okay. weren't there. They weren't there when they this left. happened. They left. Yeah, like because it was people. Sunday and they were like, we're going to get out of here a little early. Oh, it was a Sunday? Mm-hmm. Wow. And people worked like 80 hours a week back then, right? Mm-hmm. God. So they were about to leave. They say if the fire had happened 10 minutes later, most people would have been out already. I'm pretty sure some accounts say the bell to leave had already rang. So they were like getting ready to go Mm -hmm. when the fire broke out. And the problem was we're on the eighth floor. There's tables and tables of sewing machines all cramped together. Really small rows for these small women who worked them to pass through. And as they're sewing and making these clothing, they are... Letting the scraps pile up under the tables. So they just take the rest of the scraps and they just start like, mm-hmm. throw it under the table. There's no like trash. There's, there's like no a, regulation. There's a bin. There are bins that are supposed to be emptied. The bins are overflowing. And so it's just like fabric. Fabric is covering the floor. And fabric burns very fast. Very well. Even in a fireproof building. Mm-hmm. So we're on the eighth floor, and a fire breaks out. Nobody knows exactly how. Nobody knows exactly who saw it first. But obviously there's shouts of fire. And in case this happens, because it's 1911 and we're working with sewing machines, so fires can happen. Also, they weren't supposed to smoke, but apparently they did. They weren't really aware of the risk at all? I don't know they knew it would be this bad. Okay. Because, here's the thing. The fire breaks out. They have pails of water by the window for fire. Oh. Uh, Yes, they have pails of water. They run over and get them. These pails of water do nothing to put the fire out. It just starts spreading and spreading and spreading. Mm -hmm. So fast. So somebody on the eighth (laughs) floor is able to telegram up to the the tenth floor to let them know there's a fire. There's no way for anybody to let the ninth floor know. Because there's just... The people are just chilling there or what's going on on the ninth floor yeah well so the eighth and ninth floors are where people do most of the sewing and work Mm -hmm. the tenth floor is more of like the owner's offices the managers that kind of stuff okay so the entryway those guys are like we're keeping a watch Mm -hmm. on everybody here so the entryway on the eighth floor i assume has like a secretary or somebody they would check the girls' purses on the way out to make sure they weren't stealing anything. Interesting. So I assume, in my head at least, whoever is there was the one who let the 10th floor know. But there's no communication. There's no, like, telegram system or anything to the 9th floor because it's just more workers there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the 9th floor has no idea. The fire is spreading fast on the 8th floor. And everybody's just, like, running around freaking out. Mm-hmm. The elevator's working. And the elevator operators keep going up and down. And people are cramming into the elevator. And do they know that the elevator is... Or do the, the elevator operators are like... Mm-hmm. Okay. They're doing their best to get everybody out. The elevator does 
either alert the ninth floor or start trying to get people out of the ninth floor. It's going to the ninth floor. But the elevator only makes about three trips before it's done. And it won't go up anymore. And people are trying to slide down the elevator cables to get down. People are trying to just, like, cram into it. Like, people are doing whatever they can to get out. Because the other stairwell on the same side as the elevator is now unusable in either direction. Because of the fire? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's jumping up to the ninth floor through that stairwell. Oh, my God. So. Wasn't there two stairwells? mm Mm-hmm. So the things don't great on the eighth floor, but they don't go terrible. A lot of girls make it out the stairwell before the flames jump into the stairwell or into the elevator before it stops working. So the eighth floor, it's not good, but it's okay. This well, is the fire has worse. already rampaged through the eighth floor. And most of the people are out at this point? Most. Obviously, there are some casualties from the eighth floor. Some people get trapped on the eighth floor. Some don't make it out. Some don't get to the stairwell in time. But the way the fire starts, a lot of people can make it to the stairwell before the stairwell is unusable. So now you can't go up or down those stairs. The heat has also destroyed the elevator. You can't use the elevator. And it's going up. Flames are jumping up to the ninth floor. So you would think these girls would go use the other stairwell. Not all girls, but mostly girls. The company employed about 700 people. It was about 600 females and 100 males. Okay. And the the males were probably laborers, Mm -hmm. right? And the women were like the seamstresses and everything. Mm -hmm. And these are girls. They're mostly immigrants. A lot of them don't speak English. They're 16 to 23 years old for the most part. Oh. They're young. So we go up to the ninth floor. These workers run to the other stairwell that is not engulfed in flames. They can't open the door. Oh, my God. It is locked. They can't get out. I don't know if I have a joke for this one, guys. <laughs> this is, that's rough. So there's a balcony that they start climbing onto, okay. like a metal... Is it like a fire escape? Sort of. Sort of. The only fire escape is on the back of the building, and it's like rusted out. There's no fire escape on the front. But this fire is spreading so fast. Just to explain how fast this is spreading... Because it gets really hot in there. It gets so hot that workers start resorting to jumping out the window. And we are jumping out the window of a ninth floor. Of the ninth floor? Mm-hmm. I don't even... The, the weird part of that is, is like, is the ninth floor enough to kill you? Mm-hmm. It is? Okay. Okay, for sure. So the first five people to jump jumped before the first fire engine even had time to respond to the fire. Like, that's how fast this is spreading. That's how hot it is. Oh. And not only that, remember how I told you a bunch of people piled onto that balcony? The the fire heats that up, too, and that whole thing topples. Oh, my God. So, people are jumping. They're jumping just to get away from the heat. They're jumping in some cases because their dresses or hair is already on fire. They're jumping to try to land on awnings below but these awnings are glass and they're crashing through them and um i hate to tell you but it it doesn't get better because the fire department finally shows up and first off it's hard for them to start trying to get anywhere because these workers are jumping out so there's piles of bodies on the sidewalk that they can't like roll up to because there's these 
people laying on the oh, sidewalk. Oh, my God. So there's already so many bodies on the floor mm-hmm. that the fire department can't get up to the fire close enough. Mm-hmm. And once they do get close enough to stretch out their ladder, it reaches to, like, the sixth or the seventh floor. So it doesn't reach tall enough for any of these girls in the window Which to climb down. Nobody can actually get down from that. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's not good. God. So the fire department is doing everything they can, but these bodies are piling up on the street and they can't attend to them because this building is also still entirely on fire. This fire rips through the building so fast that it was under an hour, the whole event. Like from the point that the fire took off until the fire department put it out and everything was over and Mm -hmm. all the alive people came out? Because again, the building is fireproof. So everything inside burns up and then when there's nothing to burn anymore. Oh, the building is just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read a quote oh. from the, the New York Times, which is pretty rough the way they put it. They said, nothing is the worse for the fire, because the building was fireproof. Nothing is the worse for the fire except for the furniture and 141 of the 600 men and girls that were employed in its upper three stories. So, like, not only did they put furniture first, they also then were like, Nothing was worse for the fire except the furniture and these human workers. Wow. The New York Times has always been (laughs) trash, everybody. So (laughs) cancel your New York Times subscription. And this was written the day after. So 141 is the number that was killed at the time. A few more did pass away from their injuries later on. So I think the final number, it fluctuates between 141 and 148. But from what I understand, it's about 146 is the most repeated number I see. God, that's a lot of people, though. Out of 700? Mm -hmm. Well, there were 600 in the building at the time. That's even more. I know. That's like over 20%. That's like almost 25% of the people that were employed Mm -hmm. died. Mm -hmm. It's not good. So it's, it's so bad that while they're tending to the building and the fire, these bodies are on the street for over an hour, and there's not enough firemen and workers to do anything about it so they're just like on the street the water from the hoses is landing on them too they're deceased but when they finally get around to them there's like a pile of bodies and they're getting ready to like you know put them on stretchers and transport them or whatever they're going to the morgue and they find one girl who's still breathing just stuck in a pile of bodies oh she didn't, they, they said that she passed away a few minutes after they found her. And what was her name? I don't know. It didn't say in the article. Okay. Again, the New York Times. <laughs> the fucking New York Times suit. The New York Times is like, the furniture was fine. The shirts were fine. Mm-hmm. So why was this door locked? Because apparently they kept it locked. Why? So that the women would exit the other way and they could be sure they weren't stealing anything. But this wasn't up to fire code. It wasn't allowed to be locked. So they just locked the fucking door because they didn't want people stealing shit? Well, it's iffy because that's what the girls said. The women. Sorry, all the all the articles call them girls. But the women who worked there. That's what they said. The owners, of course, claimed they never locked the door. Right. They were like, it's fine. One manager had the key to the door. There was always a male manager who had a key to that door, and he was supposed to unlock it. Let me get... I can... I'm so terrified for where this story is going because the fact that you just said he's a man and he's a manager. Mm-hmm. 
I, I just already am sick thinking about what he did and how the door was not unlocked. But Well, this is what he did. He was hanging out on the 10th floor with the company owners. And they all heard the fire was happening from the 8th floor when it started. And they went straight up to the roof. And they went straight over to the building next door, which I think was a NYU building. And they got out. Jesus Christ. So he left. He left. The owners left. They claimed the door was open. They claimed that the women must not have been strong enough to open it. And that's why they couldn't get out that door. There was also a man on the ninth floor who survived. And he testified that the door was also locked. And they said, oh, you're only saying that because you lost your sister. Wow. Wait, so how did people get out if they were on the ninth floor and the fire spread up to the ninth floor? Uh, they didn't. Some of them made it out in the, when the elevator was still working. Oh, so like the 140 Mm-hmm. Are pretty much that... mostly on the ninth floor. Oh, my God. This is sick. Mm-hmm. It's bad. A few good changes did come from it. Like some new commissions and obviously fire safety rules and workers' rights. Right. I think that I was doing some research research on the podcast before we had talked about it because I was just doing a little bit of research. But I was seeing that apparently unionization had started taking hold in a lot of different factories at the time. Mm -hmm. But the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory was one of the only factories that was able to get past the unionization stuff Mm -hmm. because they were so big they were able to pay high wages kind of like amazon like amazon is able to get away with paying high wages and not unionizing because they're just so big they there was a big strike they called it the uprising of Twenty Thousand. this huge march for rights and unions and the triangle shirtwaist factory workers were part of this strike and this was before the fire Mm -hmm. this was 1908 i think Mm mm-hmm And it was a huge march. It was a huge protest. They walked out. This whole thing. From this strike, a whole bunch of people got unions. The Triangle Shirtwaist Factory instead said, hey, we're going to offer competitive wages. We're going to pay you better. We're going to treat you better. And for a while, they did. While the strikes were still kind of happening, they would have dances for the workers. They would, like, do a lot of fun things and kind of rope them back in. It's kind of like when the company's like, we have happy hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every week at Thursday, we do happy hour. But And then they just went back to normal but offered slightly better rates. So they had no union to protect them. They're, like I said, mostly immigrants. And they're also, the, uh, for the most part, these workers are the main source of income for their families. Right. And they're women. Mm-hmm. Girls. Young girls. Gr- mere girls. Mere girls, as the New York Times uh-huh. calls them, when of the, course. The New York Times wrote their article and said 141 men and girls. Jesus. Girls, I think of like a child. I don't yeah. think of a 16 to 23 maybe, year old. Maybe they try to differentiate to give people... I don't trust them to actually try and garner any type of sentiment with mm-hmm. the with the girls. I just maybe they said it like that to try and make it more like, oh, these they, these are like young women that died. Yeah, you know? the fact that so many young women did die did help the push for better working conditions after the fact because the public was so outraged. Basically, the middle class decided to like actually be outraged for these poor families 
and that is what actually brought about some actual changes. But in the court case against the owners of the company afterwards, they used the fact that they were girls to discredit everything they said. So a couple of things. I think I read while I was researching this that over 10,000 people watched the fire from the street. Yeah, a whole bunch. And a lot of the bodies were so burned that they couldn't be identified. They brought all these charred remains to the morgue and hundreds of thousands of people visited them. To pay their respects? Mm -hmm. Like New York was so outraged. Oh my gosh. And they had a funeral. There was something like, I want to say 16, but I don't know why I want to say that. There was some amount that could not be identified because of how disfigured they became. And so they were buried together in one funeral because nobody knew like where what remains started and ended where or anything. It was bad. So they buried them together and there was a huge funeral procession where like tens of thousands of people followed the... What's that car called that carries, like, caskets? The hearse? Yeah. Followed the hearse down the street, like, mar- marched with the, behind With it. the 16 girls in there? Mm-hmm. Do that at my funeral. March behind the hearse in Washington Square Park. You got it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I mean, part of it is, like, it's fucked up, but, like, I have to be able to make a joke about it because it's history. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to learn from our past mistakes. It was so terrible. One of the reporters, I wrote down a quote from one of the reporters because it was bad. All right. William Gunn Shepard was a reporter on the scene. He said, I learned a new sound that day. A sound more horrible than descriptions can picture. The thud of a speeding, living body on a stone sidewalk. Oh, God. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fucked. That's like people saying, like, the Titanic screams, the 9-11, that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, not only were people, unfortunately, hitting the sidewalks, they were crashing through glass awnings. One girl, this is the worst one. I'm so sorry to do this to you. One girl's jumped when her dress caught fire. She got caught on a wire, and people had to watch her hang from the wire until her dress burned enough that she fell. Oh, God. How do I make a joke about this? Yeah, I know. That one's maybe too much, but it's real. It's a true right, fact right, right, from right, right. this day. Like, this was horrible. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Mm-hmm. I think that... Wasn't there also a huge amount of, like, cartoons or comics that came out of it? Like, a lot of, like, newspaper articles? Oof, probably. Yeah. I feel like I did a DBQ on one of those. On the Triangle Shirtwash Shirtwaist Factory Fire. Well, this is probably what, nineteen eleven? Like are Hearst and Pulitzer still waging a war against each other? Or are they dead yet? About what? Well, just like fighting over the world and the like their newspapers. I don't know. This is why we have to do the USS Maine. I know. (laughs) It says a man was seen kissing a young woman at the window before they both jumped to their deaths. That didn't happen because that's too much for me to process. So the owners of this company, the ones who just very casually and calmly escaped out the roof, they were taken to court. And who sued them? Um, all of the workers. The surviving workers? I think so, yeah. Well, they were sued for manslaughter. 
<laughs> much more than manslaughter if they lock the door. First degree and then second degree. Oh, wait, wait. It was manslaughter, then first degree, then second degree? No, like first degree manslaughter, then it was second degree manslaughter. Oh, I don't know what all that means, but it, it, Me was, it was it was 10th degree manslaughter. They were, yeah, so there were charges of manslaughter, which they were found not guilty of. Of course they were found not guilty of. My God. They instead were just found liable of wrongful death. The hell does that mean? I know. Yeah, so they're found liable of wrongful death. They're awarded compensation in the amount of $75 per deceased victim. The dudes that killed everyone? No, they have to pay the people suing them. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So they have to pay everybody $75 each. I think the families of the deceased, maybe? $75. It says $75 per deceased victim. Which even then wasn't only like was only was not enough. Plaintiffs were awarded compensation in the amount of seventy five per deceased victim, even though this says the insurance company paid them about sixty thousand more than the reported losses, or if you do the math, about four hundred per casualty. It makes me so mad. And they and they probably lived their whole life off that insurance money. Yeah. Well, and they still had their company. I'm sure. I don't know how long it stayed open. But I bet they had to change the name after that if they stayed open. Maybe they just cut their losses and were like, well, there were no losses because they were paid more than the losses. Right. They were proven not guilty by just belittling the women. In the court. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was said that they made one girl repeat her story about the day over and over and over again. And then they said that because she never changed key pieces of information, which normally you look for that as a good sign. Right. They were like, oh, no, this means that she memorized what she was supposed to say. That's what the the court and the lawyers said? Mm Mm-hmm. God. And they found a lock. I think that they found the lock in the stairwell, which was supposed to show that it wasn't locking the door, but then it also apparently looked like it was planted there. Mm. And also you have so many people saying they couldn't open the door. And they were all like, oh, you were either not strong enough or you were panicking. So everybody was pushing the door instead of pulling it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were like, everybody went to the door and said push instead of pull. That's why I got label doors. No, it was locked. I'm sure it was locked. I believe it was locked. Yeah. You don't lose over 100 people. Absolutely not. Because they are not strong enough to open a door. Yeah. So what happens at the end of the trial? They are not guilty. God. They're liable for wrongful death, but they are acquitted of any charges of manslaughter. They are not guilty for this crime. I think they are later taken to court again. I don't remember the outcome of that. At least one of them was taken to court again in the future. I don't... For the shirt wash factory fire or for different stuff? Yeah, for something lightly related. Shirt waste. Something like lightly related but different because you can't be charged for the same crime twice. Right. But there were some better committees and rights and unions. And as terrible, terrible, terrible as this was, it did bring a much larger, larger audience to the issue than had ever been seen before. So I think that among the 10,000 people that watched at 
on that day of the Triangle Shirtwash Factory fire, one of them was named Frances Perkins, and she ended up becoming a huge labor rights activist in the United States, and she ended up also becoming Secretary of Labor underneath FDR while he was president. And she was the first woman to ever have a cabinet post in the United States. And on that day, she watched the fire and she said, this will never happen again. She was on the street. That's crazy. She was watching all this and she had already been a labor rights activist. Mm -hmm. And then after seeing that, only fought harder for people's labor rights and became a labor rights activist under FDR. And I was actually doing some research on this and people said that they were crediting her for the New Deal. Because that actually gave people workers' rights. And at the time, she was trying to lower the the um, working hours a week from 80 a week to 54 a week. So nobody would be there on a Sunday. Yeah. That's insane. Because now we, we, we work 40 hours. I can't work 40 hours a week and I complain that bitch about all that stuff. Hmm. But... Wow. So some good came. A quote from her... She says, seared on my mind as well as my heart, a never-to-be-forgotten reminder of why I had to spend my life fighting conditions that could permit such a tragedy. Yeah. So, seeing this really changed her. Changed a lot of things for her. And I think that it changed a lot for a lot of people. Did did Mm -hmm. new labor rights come around after that? Yeah, so a lot of better, at least, fire conditions, workplace conditions... Safety hazards were cleared up. It's just so sad to see, but it really was a turning point. I honestly feel like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire just reminds us that if we lose the ability to collectively bargain, we also lose the ability to have the right to our health and safety. Because Mm -hmm. if we're not working together as a working class... Mm -hmm then we're not advocating enough for our own rights in in health and safety conditions in our workplace, right? Yeah. Ooh, I just got, like, chills for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, do we do it? Do we pick a date for you? Oh, my gosh. For next week? Wait, 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 wait. Do we have anything else to say about the... Well, I feel like we can't top that ending. was beautiful. Was it? Yeah. Okay. The last thing I'll say is that The Secretary of Labor, Hilda S. Solis, wrote in the Washington Post Mm -hmm. on this subject, Mm -hmm. we must always be a nation that catches workers before they fall. Ooh. Which, it's like, read the room, lady. (laughs) That is not okay. But... Well, we didn't catch them before they fall. We didn't catch them before they fall. We did need to learn to do that. Okay, ready? I have a random date generator. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Yeah. So... Now that you guys have learned about the Triangle Shirtwash Factory Fire, we're getting to the new part of the podcast where we are going to randomly generate a date mm-hmm. and we are going to decide that date and whoever the next person is. So Maddie did the story this week. I'm going to do the story next week. Mm-hmm. Maddie is going to randomly generate a date for me and I am going to figure out some type of historical pod podcast or idea that i'm going to tell maddie about that date it's so so, so maddie has her phone out she's going to yeah. randomly generate something right now mm-hmm. maddie go ahead okay you ready for your day yes ah! 
Ready? I'm ready. Your date is、uh, July first. July first? Okay, I can I can do stuff with July first.、Yeah, something has had to have happened on July first. Yeah.、First. Okay. <laughs> July first. July first. Okay. So next week you guys are getting a topic on some historical event, and we have not decided a year. We have just decided、mm-hmm. any year you want. Any year that I want, and July first. So I will get back to you guys. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. The Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire. If you ever want to learn more, I think that you can go to the corner of Green Street and Washington Place,、mm-hmm. right near Washington Square Park. There is a plaque there. It tells you all about the factory. Maybe I don't know what it tells you. I really do not remember. It is a huge important moment in history. If you want to learn more, ask us, tell us, call us. There's a pretty good book. I read. I read a book when I was writing a paper on it, so I would suggest it. Ooh, I don't know who it's by. It was called、uh, "Triangle: The Fire That Changed America," but I should look up who it's by. If you want to learn more, <laughs> "Triangle: The Fire That Changed America" by how would you say this guy's last name? David Von Drill. David Von Drill. If you want to learn more, look him up. And next week, I will bring you guys an episode on something on July first. So I'm excited to see what it is. Oh, me too. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a great day. Bye.